Johnny Glazer, director of the China Power Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. In this episode of the China Power podcast, we're discussing China's relationship with the World Trade Organization, the WTO. In December 2001, China became the 143rd member of the WTO. Since joining, China has been a strong supporter of the rules-based multilateral trading system. Economic analysis shows that the Chinese economy took off after joining the WTO, proving that integration into the global economic system serves Chinese interests. The main purpose of the WTO is to provide a platform for the peaceful settlement of trade disputes without resorting to unilateral actions such as tariffs and economic sanctions. Since 1995, over 500 disputes have been brought to the WTO and over 300 rulings have been issued. To discuss China's behavior and its membership in the World Trade Organization, including the effects on its economy and its role in trade disputes, we're joined today by Dr. Tu Xinquan. Dr. Tu is executive dean and professor at the China Institute for WTO Studies at the University of International Business and Economics in Beijing. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Tu. My pleasure. So, can you give us a sense as to what the accession process was like for China in the lead-up to its joining the WTO in 2001? What were the policy changes that China agreed to in order to make this possible? Well, it is a very long and complicated uh, process for China's WTO accession. Actually, it was started in uh, 1986. At that time, it's called rejoining the GATT because China was the initial original contracting party to the GATT in 1948. But China failed to get that kind of membership. So from 1995, when the WTO was established, the accession process was renamed. It is, as I said, it is a very long process because uh, I think one big thing is as the WTO was established and uh, a new set of rules were implemented uh, in 1995. So actually there were two periods of negotiations. For, for China, I think there are mainly three parts of policy changes. The first one is to uh, reduce our tariffs and other trade barriers on trading goods and trading services. The second part is to implement our WTO agreements like uh, anti-dumping, countervailing, uh, safeguard, and all these issues. The third part would be to revise some Chinese domestic policies to make these WTO commitments enforceable. Like China made some uh, commitments to ensure government's non-intervention in uh, commercial activities of uh, Chinese companies uh, something like that. It's actually not uh, clearly in the WTO agreements, but because of Chinese characteristics, so China made, could say, extra commitments to uh, join the WTO in this sense. So what was the immediate economic impact on China after it joined the WTO, and, and how has this impact changed over time? Actually, uh, before China's accession to the WTO in late 1990s, the Chinese economy was experiencing some significant difficulties. The economy was slowing down. And especially in late 1990s, there was significant SOE reform. But after that, after China joining the WTO, the economic growth has sped up quickly. 
And of course, the uh, immediate impact is on trade. China's export and import has been increasing very fast after 2001. And also more foreign investments enter China to build their production capacity in China and export to the world. Of course, the speed has been slowing down, uh, I mean, in terms of trade and also economic growth. But the general impact is overwhelmingly positive for China's trade and economic growth. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the dispute settlement mechanism in the WTO. And both the United States and China have actively used the dispute settlement mechanism, I think even the U.S. even more than China, as a complainant, as a respondent, and and as a third party. So what's your overall assessment of the efficacy of the dispute settlement mechanism? Do you assess that the rulings of the appellate body have been objective and fair from a Chinese perspective? China believes that the dispute settlement mechanism is very important and critical for the functioning of the WTO because without a kind of judiciary system, the members will have less incentive to implement their obligations. And China has never questioned the rulings of panels and pilot body. Actually, China has lost almost all cases as a respondent but we have never questioned the rulings. So uh, we believe that the rulings of panels and especially the appellate body are objective and fair and professional, especially. So until now, I think uh, China has been implementing all these rulings, accepting all these rulings, and also uh, no complaints have requested like authorization of retaliation on China. So... I think China is supportive of dispute settlement mechanism very much. There's one case that China brought to the WTO, which apparently it has recently withdrawn, and that is concerning its claim to be a market economy, which would mean that China must continue accepting EU and U.S. anti-dumping levies on Chinese goods. So can you explain why China decided to withdraw this case before it went to a ruling in the appellate body. Yes, this is still mysterious for me also. (laughs) It has never happened for China to uh, halt a dispute before the ruling was issued. I think one possible reason is that now the world trade situation is uh, in serious difficulties and also the WTO is in very difficult time. Then maybe China doesn't want to have difficult uh, relations, trade relations with our trading partners especially under the circumstance of ongoing China trade disputes. So that's one possible explanation. But another thing is probably I heard that the preliminary ruling of the panel is not so favorable to China. I'm not so sure about that. But if that's the case, I think it is a little surprise for, for, for China. So probably China wants to have even more thorough studies, research on this case, and maybe to prepare for kind of a better strategy of dispute settlement. I think it's one, another possibility. Do you think China has a good case to be a market economy in the WTO? Have you studied this personally? Well, uh, we always simplify this issue as a non-market economy status of China, 
But actually, strictly speaking, this is not about the recognition of China as a market economy. This is about the methodology of dumping margin calculation. So what China is complaining is that EU and other, some other members still use so-called, this so-called uh, surrogate country methodology to calculate the dumping margins of Chinese companies in the name of China is not a market economy. So then China is not requesting uh, members to admit China's market economy, but just to request uh, you should not use the surrogate country methodology in anti-dumping cases against China. I see. So if we look at the WTO in light of the uh, rising trade tensions between the U.S. and China, have we seen any any? interactions, you know, it says the trade friction between the United States and China led to more trade disputes being filed between the United States and China? Or has this been just totally separate? Has there been really no impact on how the U.S. and China are working together or functioning within the WTO? I think they are interrelated. In China's viewpoint, the U.S. actions under Section 301 are clearly against WTO rules because uh, additional tariffs are prohibited. So we believe that uh, the U.S. actions is damaging or hurting the authority of the WTO, especially the dispute settlement mechanism. And also we know that uh, at the same time, the United States is blocking the appointment of uh, Paladot members. So in the eyes of China, Right now, the U.S. has lost its confidence or its dependence on the WTO system. So then uh, the U.S. resorts to its own power to claim its trade uh, interests. But of course, we don't think this is the right way. We still believe that all these uh, trade conflicts or trade disputes should be solved under the WTO dispute settlement mechanism. But right now, as I said, uh, this U.S. administration has no confidence in this uh, independent judiciary system. But uh, another thing is both U.S. and China are still using (laughs) this dispute settlement because uh, both sides are initiating cases against each other. So this is also a little difficult to understand. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a consensus in China about its decision to join the WTO? Or does anybody argue that this wasn't a good decision for China? Or does everybody agree that this was the right path and and that this is part of globalization and China must be integrated into the international economic system? I think there is a very strong consensus in China that WTO accession is a great choice and the only right choice, I think, uh, for China. Of course, uh, very few people believe that WTO accession is not good China, good for China, and uh, China lost some so-called national sovereignty, something like that. But I, I would say this is a very strong, very overwhelming consensus is that China should join the WTO, maybe even earlier. So WTO accession is both economically and politically good for China. I think the facts have manifested this conclusion. So, I mean, for the government, for academia, and you know, for, for most uh, ordinary people, uh, we believe that the WTO is good for China. And uh, I think also in China, there is a very high support ratio of globalization. 
right now, I, I don't see kind of populist uh, movement in China. <laughs> Maybe in some developed countries, they are more populist. But in China, we still believe that globalization, trade liberalization is good for China. Although we are seeing some problems like rising uh, income inequality and uh, some social inequality in China, but we don't blame this on globalization. So there's been some arguments that have been made that China has not lived up to its WTO obligations. And I'm wondering if the facts support that judgment. Are there WTO rulings in which China hasn't fully complied? There are cases where it's partially complied. And if there has not been full compliance, then maybe you can give an example of if there are instances in which it hasn't complied, why it hasn't. I would not say that China has fully lived up to its WTO obligations. Otherwise, there will be no dispute cases against China, right? <laughs> so actually, there, there are more than 40 cases against China. So, of course, there, there are some problems with China's implementation of WTO obligations. But my assessment is that China has generally or largely complied with its WTO obligations, especially in terms of market access commitments. But in some aspects, I think China has uh, space to improve, like services commitments and also some domestic policies. I think the problem is these commitments are not so clear-cut, not like uh, tariff reductions. They are very clear, but some commitments, the implementation is uh, subject to some fundamental and institutional changes uh, domestically. And on this part, the, uh, on this part, I think it's also it's, it's really difficult, because you know China is still in the process of transition or marketization. So you could argue that uh, the Chinese market economy system is not perfect yet. And also, I think uh, the capability of the Chinese government to implement these obligations is also insufficient. I think some problems are actually not about openness. It's more about domestic reforms. I mean, these problems, like in services sector, in IPR protection, are not specifically targeting at foreign companies or foreign suppliers. Domestic Chinese prob companies also face these problems, these uh, challenges. So I would say this is not a kind of intentional trade barriers or investment barriers. It's just an inefficiency of our uh, market uh, economy system. And uh, in terms of dispute cases, China, ha as I said, China has complied with all WTO rulings. Uh, as I said, no authorization of retaliation has been requested by uh, these complainants. So basically, it's no problem. But in some cases, maybe the problem is China's implementation is not so fast as expected. <laughs> <laughs> so some, like the United States, is complaining that China is too slow to implement the rulings, like in the case of electronic payment services. I think it's mainly about credit card. I mean, that's true. But uh, as I said, it is, I think, more difficult for members to implement these uh, legal and uh, institutional changes. It's true for all members, also for, for the United States. It will take a long time to implement these kind of rulings. 
So last December, China's government issued a short position paper on WTO reform. And it's my understanding that the EU has also issued a paper on WTO reform. So there's a beginning of, an, of a global discussion on how to reform the WTO. Now, can you talk a little bit about the main themes of uh, China's position paper and what kinds of reforms you think are really feasible in the WTO? Actually, China has released a longer proposal on WTO reform recently, in the last month. The proposal, I think, uh, consists mainly three parts. The first part is to maintain or sustain the functioning of the WTO, especially the dispute settlement mechanism. We strongly advocate that the appointment of private body member should be addressed and solved. Then the second part is to improve the existing agreements in some aspects like in anti-dumping agreement, uh, subsidy agreement, we can make some incremental revisions on the existing agreements to uh, improve the efficiency and the effectiveness. And the third part is to expand the rulebook of the WTO to some new areas like electronic commerce and uh, investment facilitation. So these are main proposals of China on WTO reform. But this proposal, this document is still uh, flexible. I think uh, China is open to accept some other proposals from other members. And now China has a joint committee with the EU on WTO reform. But anyway, I think uh, right now for China, the most prominent issue of the WTO reform is to sustain the survival of the WTO, <laughs> especially the dispute settlement mechanism. As I said, without a judiciary system, without an enforcement system, what's the value to make new rules? So this is the biggest concern for China. One of the issues, I think, for possible reform is the issue of China's existence as a developing country. And from what I have read, China argues that any reform should safeguard the special and differential treatment for developing members, and China insists that it not be denied its entitlement to special and differential treatment. So there, I think there's still some, at least, debate in the international community over whether China really is a developing country. So I wonder at what point you think in China's development, will China accept that it is a developed country? Are there certain criteria that China has in mind when it insists it's developing? Is it, is it per capita income? Is it, is it something else? Because I think a lot of Americans that I talk to think China's already a developed country. It is no longer a developing country, and it shouldn't get this special treatment. So where do you think that issue is going to go going forward, and would that be an issue in WTO reform? Yeah, this is, I mean, the issue of a developing country and especially the differential treatment in the WTO is a very confusing problem. Even in 2001, when China's GDP per capita was only 1,000 US dollars, China was refused to be accepted as a developing country. So actually, in China's WTO accession package, China only enjoyed a very few special treatment as a developing country. So uh, like in terms of market access commitments, 
at that time, China's average binding average tariff is only 10%. In comparison, India's is 48.5%. So I would say, although China always claimed to be a developing country, but in the WTO, the actual treatment is not so closely related to your claim. It depends on negotiation. So you can claim to be a developing country, but if other members don't accept, then you cannot enjoy special treatment. The other side is, even you are not a developing country, you can still enjoy some special treatment. For example, U.S. tariffs on trucks is 25%. Is it special? I think it is special. So for China right now, the, the problem is politically difficult for China to declare that, oh, China is a developed country already. But in terms of uh, trade negotiations in the WTO, the actual situation is that our treatment is decided by negotiations case by case. Like uh, in the newly established uh, trade facilitation agreement, China's commitments much larger than other developing countries. And also like uh, in the ITA, Information Technology Agreement, the second version, China's commitments are also much larger than other developing countries. So I would say this kind of status as a developing country is not that important at all. But again, for China, I think we can accept our treatment could be decided by negotiations with other members, but it's still difficult, maybe even impossible for us to declare that China is not a developing country anymore or China is a developed country already. We don't want to do that yet. Maybe uh, when China's uh, GDP per capita reaches like 15,000 US dollars. And it's uh, currently under, just under 10,000? Yeah, right? yeah it's, right now it's 9,000 almost. So I think it will still take some years to reach that point. Great. We've been talking with Dr. Tu Xin who is executive dean and professor at the China Institute for WTO Studies at the University of International Business and Economics in Beijing. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you.